Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Communications and Projects Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Liz Geiselman. She is the Chief Operating Officer of Rocky Mountain Reagents based in Colorado, and they're focusing on ethanol extraction chemicals. Welcome to the show, Liz. It's good to have you on. Well, thank you, Bethany. Thanks for having us. Great, great. So uh, let's get to know you a little bit for our listeners. Uh, Tell us about your background, your history prior to working with a company which is a member of the National Cannabis Industry Association. Sure. Um, Well, I've been with this company 20 years, so it does feel like I've been here quite a while. So before that, I had to think about this, actually. Um, I was a mom. I was a wife. still am both of those things. Um, And I was working in restaurant um, management, um, really, and that's kind of where I came from. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so from service industry type of work, as well as as well as being a mother and a wife, uh, how how did uh, Rocky Mountain Reagents decide that being involved in the cannabis industry was going to happen? Okay. Well. Honestly, um, you know, one of my passions has always been politics. So I've been involved in politics for about 10 years. Um, when cannabis became legal in Colorado, I worked with a lot of legislators um, for that initiative. And I also worked to get legislators that were pro-cannabis elected. So that's kind of how I came to cannabis. Um, Rocky Mountain Regents, we have been in business since 1951 as a chemical supplier here in, in the Denver metropolitan area. So cannabis kind of came to us seven years ago. It started with the labs um, with really high-grade chemistry to do their testing for residual solvents. And then over time, the extractors started coming to us because we were a local solution. Um, All of these chemicals have hazardous materials, uh, fees that DOT um, imposes on them. So we we became a cost-saving approach right up front. Um, I can't necessarily say that it was our objective to get involved in cannabis, nor did I think that my political life and my my uh, life at working in a chemical sales company uh, would come together so beautifully, but they certainly have uh, married well. Oh, great. Okay, so the cannabis industry came to you. <laughs> yes. Got it. Okay, so you mentioned being involved in politics. Uh, could you talk just a little bit more about that kind of work that you've been doing? Was that um, like volunteer or through your work? 
Yeah, most of it was volunteer. Well, all of it was volunteer. Um, I got involved um, during a presidential election, kind of got wrapped up into, you know, the caucus, assembly process, all of that. Uh, went to become an officer in our local county party. Um, then I served on, you know, uh, the executive and central committees for the state. And then I started working in field um, as a volunteer in field and then just overall strategy for our county. Um, to get, you know, can, uh, Democrats, but also cannabis-friendly um, um, legislators. And now I've kind of pulled away from some of the politics of it as cannabis is becoming more um, widely accepted across all party aisles. Um, it's kind of fun to have that relative, um, you know, conversation with people from, almost every political spectrum that we all can kind of agree in on this particular policy. So it's been a really um, enlightening experience for sure. Yeah, it's so great to see, much like you said, on both sides of the aisle, uh, there is more and more support for cannabis legalization and regulation and taking it out of the darkness and into the light. It's really inspiring to see that. And the members of Congress that NCIA works with um, they are on both sides of the aisle indeed. Of course, there's a lot more Democrats, but there's some really strong Republicans out there that see the value, see that prohibition is not helping the war on drugs. And in addition to that, we have an industry that's becoming more sophisticated uh, to the point that a company like yours that's been around since 1951, is that right, now yes. finds themselves working with that cannabis industry sector. Uh, so on that note, um, what, when did that start happening? And, and it sounds like you were already supportive of cannabis. So, so you kind of knew how to make that happen within your company the right way. Yeah, so um, they, you know, like I said, the laboratories were first to come to us. I mean, Denver, as big a town as it is, it's still very small. Everybody seems to, you know, if you work in a lab, you pretty much know everybody that works in the labs. If yeah. you work in politics, you know everybody that works in politics. So it's still got that, you know, small town, cow town kind of thing to it. Um, so a lot of the chemists that moved away from the industries that we were used to servicing, such as aerospace and wastewater treatment and plating companies, those, they all kind of started to transition into cannabis and as they did they took us along with them um, for their standards so they were the first ones to really kind of take us along the ride and then as they started to move into having in-house labs within these facilities they were bringing those chemists along as well and so we've always kind of operated on word of mouth because we grow at about 20 to 40 percent a year um but it's based on this, you know, this constant migrate, migration of scientists in the Denver metropolitan area. It's really fascinating. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, Denver, Denver is a very, um, uh, everyone does seem to know each other or know somebody that knows each other. Everyone's about two or three degrees of separation around here. <laughs> yeah, to, to a fault sometimes. <laughs> Truly. Um, so let's let's talk about Rocky Mountain reagents and w what it is they really, really do. If you could explain it to people that may not have a scientific background, kind of break it down for us what Rocky Mountain re reagents is up to. 
Okay, absolutely. So Rocky Mountain Regions is a full-service chemical um, supplier, and we've been supplying into the pharmaceutical, nutraceutical, and food industries for a long time. So one of the things that we've been able to offer into this sector is that knowledge of understanding what good chemistry is. I mean, this is a natural product when we're talking about either hemp or uh, marijuana, uh, but the entire cannabis line of products, um, you really want something that's natural. So we wanted to make sure that people understood that good chemistry was absolutely vital in order um, for them to maintain product quality and safety for the end consumer. So that's kind of been our beginning niche in this is to make sure that really it was an education about what are chemicals, what are their grades, how do you know the difference between them, because it's kind of a complicated um, thing to master. You know, you'd think that just because it's isopropyl alcohol that they're all the same, and really there's about 100 different varieties all all for different industries. So it's, it's a little bit complicated, um, but the education piece was the piece that we were really starting to push forth on that. Um, and then we came up with this product, um, that really kind of exemplifies bringing that food in that really high-grade chemistry to this industry, but also could kind of alleviate some of the um, the operating expenses on on solvent extraction specifically. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, so this applies to all types of cannabis concentrates that one might come across in the market, whether it's um, they call it shatter, they call it. Uh, rosin or or even chem- even the extractions you might use for cooking or baking it kind of covers the whole gamut is that right or am I a little off yeah yeah no you're absolutely right so I mean they're going to use uh, there's definitely there's three or four different methods um, of extraction this is specific for solvent extraction and specific for ethanol extraction and they're going to take um, their their flour um, soak it in some kind of a solvent and then pull that solvent out through the extraction process and be left with crude oil and then that will go to post-production and become all of those other things that you referred to. Um, so we're kind of that first line um, from flour that we're, you know, steeping um, the flour in to really pull all of the good stuff out. Great. So uh, a little bit of alchemy and and um, science happening behind the scenes that the consumer doesn't see. They just end up with a beautiful product. Right, and I think that that's that's the other part of the, that we've tried to do is really educate the end end consumer, um, because you know when you when you go to the store and you buy, um, you know, candy or anything like that, they're they're using a specific brand of chemistry, a, a specific specification of of chemistry for that, and the reason they do that is to make sure it has low levels of arsenic and mercury and lead. Um, so it's really about making sure that this industry is using that same level of chemistry so that you don't have any of those contaminants. Um, and that's been a, a real challenge in education because it is complicated. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad someone out there is looking out to make sure we're not consuming unnecessary mercury or lead or anything else that probably uh, doesn't taste very good, to say the least, or is just bad for our bodies. Uh, so that's yep. great to hear. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we will come right back shortly to talk with Liz Geiselman of Rocky Mountain Reagents to learn more about the extraction world. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. 
NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Thanks for tuning in. We've been chatting with Liz Geiselman from Rocky Mountain Reagents, focusing on ethanol extraction chemicals, also serving the cannabis industry. Um, so, Liz, uh, let's, let's talk more big picture stuff. Uh, the federal government, from what I understand, uh, there's a burden on extraction companies coming from the federal government. So I read on your website uh, that ethanol formulation can be used for herbal extraction with no federal excise tax, no permitting and no additional record keeping. So I'm not a scientist. Can you please tell me what that means? Absolutely, and it really has to do more with the regulatory environment around prohibition of alcohol. So a lot of your extractors, um, solvent extractors, want to use ethanol because this is a pure grain product. Um, and so you're, if you're really trying to stay within that kind of natural realm, um, using pure ethanol, which is 200 proof moonshine, essentially. Oh, okay, got um, it. <laughs> um, has a holdover from the federal from prohibition of twenty seven dollars a gallon tax. Oh. So, for an example, um, if a client of mine wanted to buy a fifty five gallon drum of this material, which is pretty common, they would only pay four hundred and sixty nine dollars for the drum, but the tax is four hundred and eighty five dollars. So now you've got a two thousand dollar drum of material. Um, there are other ways to. to 
and, and, and I just want to make it very clear that it's not just this industry. All manufacturing companies have to pay this tax. Um, if you decide that you want to get what's called a drawback, you can ask the federal government to give you a refund for that tax. But as we know, they're really good about getting those refunds to you right away. So you can have <laughs> a float of, you know, ten or ten to $200,000 of cash flow out there, and you have to do the labor-intensive record-keeping and all of that to get that cash flow back. Um, there's other alcohols that you can use or other ethanol blends you can use. Um, that's called a specially denatured alcohol. You have to have a permit from the federal government to get those. Um, and they do not recognize anyone in the cannabis industry as being a, um, a, a, a allowable user. So then we go right. to what, so we go to this product. So we were selling, um, I think my my federal tax burden last year was over half a million dollars that I paid in in ethanol tax. Um, so for us, it was difficult, and we had a couple of very large clients. Though this was becoming, you know, a really large operating expense. So we we came up with the, this formula um, or this product called Seven Ten Spirits, and it's it's not anything super imaginative. But what we did is we made sure that we used that that grade of chemistry that we were talking about before so it's a really high grade food grade material of, of ethanol and we co-solvented it with another FDA approved solvent called N-heptine at a four and a half percent now it's not drinkable so it's not taxable so the same two thousand dollar drum goes to seven hundred and fifty dollars um so that's what we've tried to do for this industry is try to, to save them a tremendous amount of money because it made ethanol extraction as costly as CO2, if not cost, more costly in the long run because the consumables were so expensive. Wow. Okay. All right. So once you make it not drinkable, like nobody in their right mind would even try, then this federal excise tax no longer applies to the, the chemical that, that we're using. Is that, is that right? That's correct. And this okay. and I want to make it very clear that this product is only appropriate for those large type extractor machines that are pulling all the solvent out. When when you look at especially in Colorado, we have residual solvents testing. So when you're looking at that, if you're not able to pull zeros on all your residual solvents testing with your current method, then this is not the product for you. It shouldn't be used in tinctures, it shouldn't be used in anything that would, you know, um uh, Rick Simpson oil or any of those types of things. This is strictly a product to re to get the oil out and then be removed completely. Okay, got it. That makes sense. All right, so you've you've mentioned a little bit about how uh, this federal excise tax on ethanol formulations impact the cannabis industry by, I mean, just raising the cost uh, in huge amounts. Mm -hmm. um, so you've created 710 Spirits as one solution to avoid that. Are mm -hmm. there other longer-term solutions? I mean, getting con I mean, I guess federally legalizing cannabis first and foremost, but also having the federal government give some kind of exception? Is, 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 is that like a solution that we're working toward? I don't think so. And I, and I say that because there are, if they could get SDA permits, which is that second kind of level, it means it's not 200 proof moonshine. It's got maybe spearmint oil or lemon oil or something along those lines in it so that it's not pleasant to drink 
um, or pleasant to like bottle and sell as vodka, you can get an FDA permit. Once they once the federal government recognizes cannabis as a legal industry, they'll be able to get those permits. But there still is at that level of record keeping. And when you look at breath sprays and hand sanitizers, products that use ethanol um, in their manufacturing process, they still have this same problem. So it is interesting that it exists and it's really impacting this industry, but it's been impacting a lot of industries for a long time. And it's because of that, that holdover from prohibition of that taxation of $27 a gallon on, on pure liquor. So I, my feeling is that if you can't get major companies, you know, some of our largest cleaning companies, and I'm not, I'm not going to promote any names here, but they can't get it without taxation You've got some of your largest cola companies and alcohol companies, and they can't get it without taxation. It doesn't feel like our industry is going to be able to change that. Mm-hmm. What we can do is we can get those SDA permits be, because we, we can be federally legal. Sure. But there's, a, there's a level of, of record keeping to that, again. Um, and then you, you would be able to qualify for that drawback. So you would be able to get a refund for it. But again, that's a big cash float. So what we've seen a lot of people in cannabis as an alternative to doing ethanol extraction is maybe they'll do an isopropyl extraction or maybe they'll use heptines or pentines or hexanes, which have been used, all of these things have been used in herbal extraction for over 100 years. I mean, castor oil, olive oil, when you, when you think about the things that you eat on a day-to-day level or you go into the grocery store, you'd be surprised how many of those have been extracted using a solvent extraction technique. Um, and it usually isn't with ethanol. It's usually with something like heptane or hexane because those are what the FDA has said are legal solvents for the extraction process. So so you could do it with those, but all, most of those chemistries are based out of petroleum. So I just heard on the news this morning that um, petroleum is going to be going up another 12% by summer. That means all of this extraction chemistry that's based on petroleum, like isopropyl alcohol and heptanes and pentanes, and all of that is going to be going up by 12% too. Oy. The last hurricane that came through um, in Houston, actually we've seen five price increases on isopropyl alcohol um, since that time period. So we're at all-time highs on some of this pricing and some of this chemistry because it's in such influx where the ethanol is going to stay very stable for a longer period of time. We have to figure out what we're going to do about that excise tax. Mm, gotcha. Okay. So lots of issues still to be addressed, um, not just for the cannabis industry side of this, but for other industries. Um, got it. So um, moving to a little bit of a different topic about extractions, um, obviously concentrates are very popular as we talked about earlier and there's a lot of different ways to extract cannabis there's these big giant machines that that look like alien spaceships and then there's also smaller ways and and then your products can be um, various different end products as well can you kind of go over the various ways extractions happen and you mentioned a few of the solvents that can be used. Um, maybe just go a little bit more into that. Sure. Um, so I can tell you that ethanol extraction seems to be, at least here in color, very popular um, when you're trying to extract CBDs. Um, it 
my understanding, and I am not a, a, an expert in extraction, but my understanding is ethanol is a gentler process. So you maintain the bonds um, between uh, the cannabinoids and the flavonoids and the terpenes um, oh, okay. at a much greater, um, it, it's more respectful to um, the molecular structure. Um, and, and you can buy an ethanol extractor for, you know, a, a pretty reasonable price, probably a quarter of what you could buy a CO2 machine for. Um, butane machines are about the same price. Um, I I don't personally like butane, um, mostly because I come from this world where I want to see the specification of the chemistry that's being used. Um, and with butane, they don't have a lot of those testing um, the stuff that we're talking about, especially with heavy metals, they're not testing, which is not required for this product, mind you. But for me, that's one of the things that would concern me. Using um, butane is, it feels like it's kind of moving into a way um, and people are moving away from that and they're moving more towards CO2 or ethanol or solvent extraction. Or I just saw this really interesting um, new technology where they're using water extraction. Mm-hmm. Um, Heat press is great, but can't do very large volumes. So most of the extractors I work with are trying to do, you know, 53-foot trucks full of product um, and extracting. For the home user, you know, the presses are fantastic. Um, I just ran into a new machine that does a solvent extraction at home and will do about an ounce um, that looked very, you know, fun and it was it was very reasonably priced. So there's all sorts of small extractors, but when you're talking these big extractors, um, a lot of people are, are are getting away from butane. They're going mm-hmm. CO2 or they're going ethanol. And CO2 extractors are extremely expensive. They're expensive to run. And, you know, they, they do. I've, I was just talking to somebody last week. They, they tend to break down a lot. And so you have a lot of mm. repair and maintenance um, on them that, that need to be. Now, I know CO2 extractors will probably tell you something different or butane extractors will probably tell you something different. But I'm a little more partial to the ethanol extractors. I think you... Um, have a better opportunity uh, to get a better profile of the, the plant, um, the flavor, you know, profile. It leaves it cleaner, um, and it and it's a gentler process. So you're getting more of a complete molecular profile as well. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take another quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and wrap up our conversation with Liz Geiselman from Rocky Mountain Reagents. Stay tuned to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one 
one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com All right, we're back on NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice, wrapping up our conversation here with Liz from Rocky Mountain Reagents, talking all things extraction from federal excise taxes to the best ways to extract, whether they're more expensive or more difficult or safer. Um, So so Liz, uh, just a big picture question here about advice for those either currently working in extractions or for those who are looking to do extraction work in the future, uh, what would you say is the most important thing for these folks to keep in mind based on your experience doing this work? Well, I think it's really important to think about, you know, a, a, a broader spectrum. So I, I think when people are looking at what kind of extraction method am I going to use, they may not be looking at you know, the fire departments may not want that type of an extraction um, being utilized in their jurisdiction. So those types of things, I think that you need to have kind of a more um, robust, um, you know, thought process when you're looking at these things. Um, I know that when you're coming from like farming and you're coming from cultivation, um, you know, you don't necessarily have that, that experience and in having a warehouse and sprinklers and fire departments and, you know, fire mitigation and all of that. But there's a lot of rules that go into all of these extraction techniques um, from regulatory local agencies. So making sure that you've, you've vetted all of that out before you, before you lease the place and before you buy your equipment. Because what we're seeing a lot of extractors do is go, I want that machine, I'm going to rent that place over here, and then the fire department or a regulatory agency comes in and goes, absolutely not. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so, so you want to just make sure that you've got kind of all of that. And there's a lot of fantastic consultants out there. I mean, it's probably worth the couple thousand dollars you pay a consultant to make sure you're set up and you're set up correctly because um, that's just going to save you so much time and money in the end. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Everything about lear- learning and knowing your regulations, following them to a T, being compliant is probably the, the thing that we keep preaching and hearing about particularly in the cannabis industry because of our federal status. Mm -hmm. Um, So speaking of that, NCIA, of course, represents the cannabis industry and we're protecting the business interests of these companies who who are building this cannabis industry together with us. Um, What got Rocky Mountain Reagents ultimately 
to decide to join up with this network uh, of over over 1,500 businesses at this stage across the country. Well, I think it was, pu- you know, the public advocacy or the, the political advocacy was a big part of it for us. I mean, we my company lives in an environment that is regulated by probably 15 different regulatory agencies. So Mm -hmm. I definitely understand what regulation is. And I've also seen it where if you have 50 states with 50 different regulatory environments, it makes it very difficult to make things a national. So for me, it's a lot about making sure that when we're talking about um, legislation starting to pass in states that don't have um, legal recreational or medical, that we're, we're there advocating for them to be somewhat similar to the laws that already exist so that when we come across and eventually, you know, fingers crossed, everything um, translates federally where this the, the prohibition ends that we don't have ourselves in a 50 state spider web of legislation that we now have to untangle out of constitutions right so for me it makes the most sense and why I wanted to get involved is so that I could have those conversations um, with some of these state legislators um, and making sure that those conversations were translating going across borders of all the states is you know don't get too ahead of yourselves and this is not a new industry even though it's a new product but but extraction um technologies and you know they pair to something either in usda specifications or fda specifications so if we can just find those things to kind of model rather than trying to reinvent the wheel all the time Mm -hmm. i think that we're going to be much more successful when this does go to a federal agency to regulate um but if you have states that are oh you can do this but you can't do this and you can do that i mean it's going to be a a mess to get rid of those once that once they're um once it goes federal. So that that's yeah. what was our main um, goal and to make sure that, that, that there is regulation there to say, you got you to gotta use good chemistry. If you're making a pharmaceutical or nutraceutical type of a product, you should probably follow standards for that industry. If you're going to make a food-based product, and you should probably follow standards that are like that industry and just in trying to educate and make sure that those are the things that we're talking about when we're talking about changing or putting regulations in place. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Gosh, yeah, 50 states is a lot to deal with. And and coming to some kind of federal standard, um, rather than what you said, the spider web of 50 states would be ideal. Um, and, And I think as we go forward, our industry hopes to find what works and pass it along to the next state. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so as we wrap up the show here, we have just a minute or so left. Um, it was great to see you at the Seed to Sale show. I hope you had a good time at the conference. Um, our- yeah, that was a fantastic conference. I mean, I have to say that the uh, the quality of speakers, um, I, the tracks that you had set up, it was it was a very very impressive. Um, we got fantastic leads. Um, it was a very knowledgeable customer base uh, coming in the door. Um, so it was really great to have those kinds of conversations um, at a show like this. It was just very, very professional. Great. Yeah. Well, we're excited to move the show to Boston, Massachusetts in 2019. Uh, so we'll be seeing a lot more of our ETH east coast and northeastern members and those interested in getting in the industry as well in 2019 um and of course our quarterly cannabis caucuses are 
every quarter, um, January, April, July, and October in eight regions across the country. And in addition to that, we'll be in San Jose this July for our fifth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. So I hope to see everybody there. And for more information about NCIA, if you're not yet a member, now's the best time to join www.thecannabisindustry.org. And thank you again, Liz, for joining us on the show. It's been great to learn more about ethanol and also some of the tax issues that are affecting the industry. So thank you for sharing that and breaking it down for us. Oh, no problem. Well, thank you so much for having us on, Bethany. Great. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.